Good morning, castaways, and welcome to Twists and Torches. My name is Cameron, and I'm your host. And joining me today, I'm very excited about this. This is highly anticipated in, in my camp, is my good friend, AJ. AJ, how are you? Hey, Cam, how's it going? I am very, very happy to be here on Twists and Torches. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad you're here. Glad we're able to do this. Uh, so I, I like to kind of start with this, AJ. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your survivor background and credentials? Absolutely. And, and Cam, you've heard this story a zillion times, so sorry for repeating it to you personally. But I grew up as a super fan of the CBS reality show, Big Brother. And that was where I got my start into this I guess, universe. And for years, all of the people who knew I watched Big Brother were telling me, you need to get into Survivor. And I heard back in the days of Blood versus Water that Big Brother 12 contestant Hayden was going to be on Survivor. So I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. Blood versus Water wasn't the first good idea for a first season. Jeff's talking about Redemption Island and returning players. And I'm like, I'll just, maybe this isn't the right one. So a few years later, uh, I didn't end up watching past like the first 10 minutes of the premiere. But a few years later, another one of my friends who knows I've watched Big Brother really drilled into me. This was like 2017. She's like, you need to watch Survivor. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Which one do you recommend? And she hesitated and said, I really want to recommend Kagiyan. But if I do, you're going to have the precedent set that this is what Survivor is like. That's like, and it's not. She's like, just, just watch Kagiyan, but the rest of the seasons aren't that good. So I watched Kagiyan, of course, instantly I'm hooked. Uh, Justice for Spencer always, or, or Ryman or whatever he goes by <laughs> these days. Um, Tony, of course, winning that season and then winning Winners at War was just a very poetic experience for me, that being my first season and then the last season that aired before quarantine. Um, and then after I watched that, I just spent the next several years catching up on every single season. Um, a few of them I've seen twice, even three times. Uh, and the first season I ever watched live was David versus Goliath, which I think is another great first season to watch live. So been a fan for about four years now, seen every season at least once. And uh, yeah, I guess I can call myself a slightly elevated casual. Uh, you know, you know me, my favorite players, of course, are still Parvati and Boston Rob. But um, these past few years have really challenged me to think more about the strategy uh, and, and that side of things. So I'm excited to be here and talk to you about the game. Great. Thank you, AJ. Yeah, very, very in-depth. I love that story. Um, always good to get more people into Survivor, especially, you know, with the gateway drug like Big Brother or the challenge. Like <laughs> so yeah, good, uh, good stuff. All right. So we're going to get right into this episode here. And, and before we get into the details, I just want to say that this episode was absolutely fantastic. I would classify it as perhaps the best episode over episode improvement since the one world finale into the Philippines premiere, AJ. I think, I think it was that big of a jump. Yeah, it was, it was definitely something that I, I'm definitely on camp, the Shipwheel Island, as, as RHAP is referring to it as, and the, uh, all of these advantages and disadvantages and the beware advantage. I'm not getting lost with it, but I'm definitely getting overwhelmed by it. And I feel like the edit is kind of getting bogged down by these situations. So much so that we didn't really even get that much time with, is it Luvu as the blue tribe? Yes, Luvu. We really got no time with Luvu in the past three episodes, particularly the last two. And so the fact that we had a much more organic episode today, I mean, we did have the reward challenge, but we had a much healthier balance of tribe dynamics. And, and it was so much better without all of these extra elements that the producers are even still clearly trying to figure out what to do with. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I compared it, uh, it felt almost like an A-B test, like between <laughs> the previous episode and this one. That's a little technical for you. Sorry, listeners, if you're not familiar, but basically it's like they're trying out two completely different versions of the same thing. I don't think that they're, I mean, I don't think typically their editing is impacted by social media. Uh, there were some rumors going around about season 39 and th that that might've been changed like a little bit, like, uh, you know, towards the back end, but there's definitely not enough turnaround time for like one week or two weeks. Like there's definitely, there's no way, especially with COVID. So I think that they did this on purpose and it's almost like they're maybe they're trying to gauge fan reception of like some mm. of this stuff or like they want to like kind of find a balance because obviously they want to evolve the game and they've made that very clear this season. 
but how do we do it in a way that's not so jarring? Because episode three, if I had to, disc- I would say that it's it's very jarring ha- just how they how much time they was spent on those advantages. And this episode, mm-hmm. we get zero advantage talk until they're about to go to tribal, which right. I thought was quite refreshing. Yeah, we didn't even get any teasers about our uh, is is Luvu looking for the idol or the beware advantage or anything. It's it's a great point about. Um, throwing out different ideas about how to structure this game and specifically this season, drop the four, keep the one, all that stuff. I think what we should keep in mind is they probably did plan, obviously this, they they did plan this from the beginning about we're going to have off episodes. I mean, this is even in episodes like Island of the Idols and even Winners at War, where we wouldn't always get a a Edge of Extinction challenge. We wouldn't always get an Island of the Idols visit. So I think production always wants to have those breaks. I just think that this one was very well timed uh, in in the narrative. Obviously, it was a very well received episode. And I think it was uh, well timed in terms of the the fan reception because it was everyone was kind of questioning the last three episodes, not hating them, but kind of what's going on here. And so to see that Survivor still has it and to hook you in like that up until the very last second. I can't wait to talk about tribal council and the lead up to tribal council with you because I was like, I, I was going so back and forth until I finally figured out who it was going to be. But right up until then, I was I was on the edge of my seat. So yeah, I think their reception to this is going to be indicative of how they will structure not only the episode editing, but how they structure the game and how often are they going to have these side advantage, adventures to a shipwheel island, an island of the idols, a ghost island, what have you. Yes, definitely. And Survivor editors, producers, you're probably not listening to this, but I bet you've seen on Twitter that people are very happy with this one. So uh, keep up the good work just like this. All right. So the first segment of the night, uh, we're going to go to the Uwa tribe, fresh off of uh, voting Brad out of the game. Uh, And we get to see a couple new sides to Genie in this episode, which if you've been listening, you know that I'm a big Genie fan. I I think Genie is a fantastic character, even in the little bit that we've seen of her. And here we get angry Genie. She is very unhappy. She says, I'm separating all of our camp stuff. It's not exactly unprecedented. People sometimes get upset and do that. And, um, you know, better, the better approach uh, is what Jeannie did. And, you know, she's a little mad. She, no harm was really done. She just said, I'm I'm mad at you guys. I'm separating. She didn't pour anything in the fire. She didn't hide the machete. She didn't destroy anything. She just said, I'm not happy with the way things went. And here's how I'm going to express it. She seemed more pissed off at her tribe than Lucina did when Tony pulled off the Sophie blindside. That was what, that, those were the vibes that I was getting. Where it's like, you just sunk my game. We're done. And she was so angry. Now, obviously, just like Lucina, Jeannie seemed to, to get over it throughout the episode. But I, I would also like to say, Cam, I, I know you're a Jeannie stan ever since you heard that comment about uh, her hating how people don't wear their mask correctly, which I agree with. If you're going to wear it, just put it over your nose and be a normal human being. But I'm not on, I'm not on the genie genie camp. I'm sorry, dude. I, I mean, she's a fun character, I guess, but she's, she's doing nothing for me. You know what? That's all right. That's all right. It's good to have a different set of opinions, even if it's wrong, but that's, okay. and this is the last time I will be on twists and torches. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm assuming so, I'm not going to get an invite back after that. Oh, yeah, totally. So Jeannie, you know, she, she's a little bit upset, not quite as angry as kicking uh, her canteen at the challenge, but she she gets pretty mad. Uh, <laughs> and that's the um, so that's mostly what we get out of Ua before suddenly we are sent to a reward. Am I saying this right? A, a reward challenge? Is that is this a part of Survivor? It is. I'm shocked. I can't believe it. We have a reward challenge here on day eight. And uh, I was, uh, I thought that I didn't read the episode description. I thought, is this a double tribal episode? Is it a surprise double tribal? But no, it's just a purely reward challenge, which I was pleasantly surprised by because I think that reward challenges often, uh, you know, create an, an interesting dynamic. They had to kind of make a decision about who they were going to sit because they have two extra members, the Lupu tribe that is. Um, so I, I like reward challenges. I'm glad to see that it's back. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely more on camp 
I would rather have the camp stuff and the strategy than a reward challenge. But if you're giving me the option between a reward challenge or is this person going to protect their vote? And then if that other person protects their vote, then they both lose their vote. But that third person then has a chance to steal a vote, which can be like, I would much rather the reward challenge than all of that nonsense. Yes, definitely. So we have kind of a, uh, I don't want to say a classic challenge, but it has elements of a classic challenge, you know, throwing balls onto pieces of wood that are your tribe's color and, you know, running around in the sand and uh, nothing too, too exciting with that reward challenge, Um, except for we had a moment with Heather, who I've mentioned before. We had a lot of moments with Heather. We did, um, who I've mentioned before has been criminally uh, under-edited. We haven't seen very mm-hmm. much of her at all. This is her big moment to be be featured. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed that mm-hmm. it, it went the way that it did. Yeah, here's the thing. I, of course, everyone's going to draw comparisons to the three Game Changers moment here. And I understand that, but I think the difference is people were on board with that Suri moment because not only was it farther in the game, but we had seen Suri play three times before that. We we had kind of grown with this woman over the past 10 years or people who had been watching the show live had (laughs) grown with her over the past 10 years. Um, We had not gotten a confessional from Heather in three episodes. I didn't know anything about her. I had heard more from her in her preseason interviews than on the show of Survivor itself. And so when they all got together at the end, for me, that was more of a moment of Danny, who you view as this competitive athlete, kind of the the Jeff from season 25 uh, of we got to win. I want my freaking $600,000 to taking a step back and saying, it's okay. It's a reward challenge. You only lose if you like, this is the first time you ever tried it. It's okay if you're not good at it. And we lost a fish. Big deal. By the way, big step down from someone who's going to come and show you how to live in nature (laughs) to a fish. Um, But yeah, I feel like they missed an opportunity to give us a Heather confessional once or twice, even in the previous episodes, so that that moment was more impactful for us. Yes, definitely felt a little bit, I don't want to say patronized, but it it felt a little off. Um, Like I understood, like I personally, if that happened to me, I would be embarrassed. Like I'd feel like you're all like harping on me because the previous Mm -hmm. episode and Jeff really shows his cards on who he likes. Sometimes Jeff is screaming at Tiffany or two episodes prior. He's screaming at Tiffany for not. He's like, you got to dig deep. Deep woman. uh, And this time, you know, he does his little like coach Jeff routine. Like you gave it your all. That was great. And Danny's like actually doing it right. And Jeff's just kind of mm-hmm. there. Uh, not not Jeff's best moment, uh, I don't think, in this particular uh, situation uh, at the rule. Yeah. Jeff is not as sassy as he once was. And I think we can reserve the discussion about social justice, Jeff, social Jeff warrior, SJW, and him being almost too cushiony to these people now. I like sassy Jeff. I like quick Jeff. And I haven't seen that Jeff that much in recent seasons. And I, I, to me, it appears that he's equating the two. And I wish he wouldn't do that. Yes. Uh, and I think that the solution is right in front of our, our eyes, AJ. Um, if you haven't noticed, there have been several Big Brother-esque elements to this season that almost they borrowed. And there's another one in the immunity challenge that we'll get to, but I think Mm -hmm. they need to pull a big brother and have a former contestant host a challenge just so Probst and Jonathan Penner can yell at each other uh, during the challenge. And I think that might bring Jeff back to his old form. Yeah. And thank you for bringing up one of my other favorite players, Jonathan Penner, by the way, if you're listening, he is on cameo and he is giving all of his revenue from cameo to ALS research and Yul Kwan is matching those donations. So if you need a cameo from your buddy, Jeff Penner, highly recommend checking that out. Yes. Uh, great. Did I say cause, Jeff great Penner? character. Yes. John you did. Penner. <laughs> Jonathan Penner. Great cause. So much for one of my favorite um, episodes. A- ALS is a uh, very important cause uh, for, for this podcast, at least for, for me as a, as a person. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if I ever have the opportunity to uh, raise awareness or raise funds uh, at any point, I'm going to do that. So thank you, AJ, for, for plugging that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. So that's, to that's get this gonna... back on a, 
happier note, I would just say yes. J- JD stumbled and lost a shoe in this challenge. I thought that was kind of funny. I must have missed that. I'll have to, to go back and, and rewatch. Um, um, so, and one more thing, actually. Sorry. Yes. Tiffany is a lot better in both this challenge and the next challenge in the previous challenge than I was giving her credit for. So kudos to Tiffany for really stepping it up and showing she deserves to be here in all sincerity. Girl can throw. Now, balance beams, not her strong suit, but she, yes. she has her moments for sure. You know, it's good mm-hmm. to see that. As, as little as we got from Yasa Tribe, which I thought was refreshing because we've gotten a lot of Yasa in the first couple episodes, uh, mm-hmm. we now are going to go to Yasa for their pretty much only segment of the episode. And mm-hmm. uh, AJ, for the first time this season, we get a previously on Survivor, but it is mm-hmm. not Jeff Probst who is <laughs> walking us through the season so far. It's actually Evie who does her Probst impression cut with Jeff quotes, which I thought was really funny. Yes. I very much enjoyed that entire situation. I would also say I went into the season very, I I was worried about Evie. I was like, I'm either going to love Evie or I'm going to hate Evie. And I am very much right now on team. I love Evie. I think Evie is playing an incredible game. Uh, I'm very excited to see how Evie does. Yes, definitely uh, on board with you there. Uh, very impressed so far uh, out of the Yasa tribe, probably the best game player uh, so far. Mm-hmm. So very impressed. Yes. All right. So there the, we get a little turtle bit, you know, it's, it's a little fun nature moment. Uh, you know, they're telling the turtle they have to, it has to dig deep and drawing comparisons for themselves, <laughs> you know, the whole nature and survivor comparison. It's, it's a classic. Uh, so that was, that was a fun bit. Uh, I felt like I, I remember watching the episode. I was like, am I having deja vu? Have I seen this before? And then I remembered that that was like the episode preview that they showed. Um, uh-huh. So I was, I was a little bit like, wait a minute, wasn't this in last week's episode, but uh, that was just me. Uh, not, not remembering for sure. That was the next time on survivor. Yes, exactly. Next, we're going to go to the Ua tribe who have actually won the reward which mm-hmm. is a, uh, a local Fijian named Nathan who's going to come to their camp and show them some, some of his survival skills. Now, I, I thought this was a good segment. Maybe not quite as good as Tata the Bushman from Karamoan, which in my mm-hmm. opinion was the only entertaining part of Karamoan. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway. You, did, you sorry, didn't enjoy Karamoan. Jeff Probst uh, aggressively massaging Brandon Hans. I can't say that I did. Uh, in another circumstance, maybe, but uh, that was just a sad scene. It, it just was. All right, so we get uh, this from Nathan, and we see another side of Jeannie. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but it seems like Jeannie enjoys uh, the occasional exotic dancer, the way he was going up and down the tree. The dude upside down climbed <laughs> down a tree? It was on like i did not know this guy's best friends with ozzy i guess this was insanity how this guy pulled this off he broke a coconut with his hand yeah literally one wrong move that guy is in the nearest fijian hospital several hours away uh it's it's nuts he was he was very impressive I'm sure JD gave multiple confessionals on uh, comparing him to Ozzy, but they weren't aired. Um, Mm -hmm. I was going to say he missed an opportunity there, but I feel like he definitely seized it. And the editors were like, yeah, that's enough of Ozzy for this season. Uh, We're we're good on that. Yeah. Did you also notice in uh, a previous tribal council with, uh, I think this was last week's when he was talking about like, I love the greats of this game, the Aussies, the Malcolms, the woos. And I'm like, Two of those people lost in final tribal, and then one of them didn't even make it to final tribal. So you're not exactly going for the the, the winner edit here, JD, are you? Yes. So now we're going to get some much, much needed Luvu content, AJ. Honestly. It's delicious. We, we needed it. It's been baking in the oven for four episodes, and here we go. It's it's burst out of its cage and and we're getting some luvu strategy game talk and and social talk we get so much that there's a commercial break in between and then we go back Mm -hmm. to luvu again absolutely incredible love it yeah no i I loved all of this stuff uh i are are you are you about to set up the erica situation here uh yes but you go ahead you're you're rolling with it 
Oh, no, I was just going to say Erica is is a, a quiet person. I mean, she has not had any confessionals, to my understanding, up until now, at least, especially not in the last two or three episodes. And um, she said, like, I, I am this lion in lamb's clothing, I think is what she said. Uh, and she, for whatever reason, okay, so Sydney got frustrated that she couldn't make the fire. And Erica's like, we can't have that attitude Uh-oh. on our tribe. That, 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 that right there, that frustration when you're living without food isolated from your family in the middle of a pandemic without any of your luxuries and you can't keep yourself warm if you feel a smidge of frustration in that moment you can't be on our tribe that that's that's the that's the red line right there and you just crossed it so she might be the next parvati we we have to be careful (laughs) um so erica approaches deshaun and says you know we gotta we gotta watch out for sydney that she's dangerous we can't have her here Right. And uh, she tells this to the guy who Sydney has gone to with multiple pieces of information. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you don't think they're working together, Erica? Um, A a little bit of a slip up from her in in really the first game move we see her make. And I I really questioned that decision because, of course, Deshaun is going to go immediately to Sydney and spill all of the beans. Uh, Boston Mm -hmm. Rob, again, would say loose lips sink ships. It's at least once an episode currently. But yeah, definitely uh, he he exposes the whole thing, the whole shebang to Sydney, and she's shocked. AJ, she's yeah. shocked. She At is. First. I I also want to just want to say I think Deshaun plays this really well because of course when he gets told the idea by Erica, he's not just like oh I'll think about it or yeah that sounds good. He's like yeah like let's do that. So he's really setting himself up with well with Erica. And then he also does something really smart with Sydney when he's like, someone said your name and Sydney's guessing the people that she thinks said her name. So she is thereby revealing to Deshaun the order of people that she believes would try to get her out. And now Deshaun is understanding where Sydney's mind is, is like, who does Deshaun think that Sydney does not trust? And that he's just like, he plays that really, really well. Yes, uh, reminds me a little bit of a game of uh, nomination roulette from Big Brother Ten. Uh, just mm-hmm. a little, a little ounce of Dan Geesling in your. In I mean, your Dan had to force that. Dan said, "Like, <laughs> hey, Ollie, can you please say Rennie's name?" Okay, Rennie. All right, well, it's Michelle, the same principle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get. Uh, so Sydney is shocked at first. She's like, "What? Eric is saying my name?" But then we go to a confessional. And she I wrote this down too. <laughs> combines the almost the perfect blend of arrogance and nonchalance. And it reminds me of another uh, rather famous survivor player uh, who would have said something similar. You know, uh, when I'm out cycling in Utah, uh, I, I realize everybody's looking at me like I'm the biggest threat in the game or whatever, because I'm insanely good looking. And uh you know, everybody, everybody wants to get me out. Of course they want to get me out, uh, you know, but I don't really care. I wish I could give you, I, I think JD does better impressions than you do Cameron. I wish I didn't have to say okay. that, but my Tyson I mean, needs some work. Uh, if you didn't say cycling in Utah, I'd be like talking about <laughs> Sydney says, of course she wants to get me out. I am quote, the threat of threats, savvy yep. as hell, good looking mm-hmm. and a physical threat. I think they just hate me. They love to hate me. They hate me because they ain't me. I love Sydney. I love her as a character. She seems like a, a smarter Natalia from David vs. Goliath. God, that's who I thought you were. But there's so many Natalies, so I, I figured you were right. You know, purposely pointing out Natalia. But yeah, I definitely see a little bit of that. It's definitely kind of the Boston attitude, like the hate, hate, they hate us because they ain't us, um, mm-hmm. which I definitely appreciated. I like Sydney as a character. I think she has that like right balance of arrogance and paranoia that she could explode yes. and at any moment. But also, she's savvy in thinking about the game. So like, I could see her making a decent deep run and maybe like. Ex- exploding like Rodney uh, towards the very end and it being very entertaining. So uh, I'm excited to see what, what we get from her. When uh, I did a survivor draft with a couple of my coworkers, I was very low on Sydney. I was like, this girl is not going to get far. And if I am proven wrong this season, I will be so happy. I love what I see of her so far. Can't wait to see more of her. Keep going, Sydney, keep running, keep doing this thing. 
Right. So as a result of this, we get uh, a little bit of a plot hatching uh, of between Deshaun and a little bit of Sydney, and he's talking to Danny about it. Sorry, saying, let me hey. let me correct you. Let me correct you. Dangerous D Rad came to play tonight. <laughs> Dangerous D Rad. <laughs> yes, very. Um, I I totally forgot about that. Uh, I said it so many times in my cast assessment, but now he's just kind of been Deshaun on the show. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, D, D, so D-Rad hatches a plot to throw a challenge, <laughs> um, which often does not work out uh, for the people who throw it. Um, there have been a couple times where really nothing happened, uh, like Ozzy's Tribe and Cook Islands. They just mm. got rid of, uh, you know, that guy that, oh, <laughs> Billy, you know, Candace's Billy. Um, I love you. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the Survivor China throws, which made strategic sense, and those were actually... Um, smart plays although the second one didn't really work out uh but uh yeah throwing a challenge uh what are your thoughts on that should you be doing it at this point in the game honestly uh at first i was like you never want to throw a challenge because if you throw a challenge then you're getting rid of a number for you what happens if you lose the next challenge then you're a jeopardy if you do merge this is where his logic is actually great uh, and made me rethink the whole thing. But basically, he Deshaun was saying that if you go into a merge, and we don't know when the merge is going to be. It could be a 12, it could be a 10, we don't know. And they don't know either because a swap hasn't happened. But if they go into the merge with a clear majority, if it's six to five or six to three to three, they are the huge giant targets. And all they need to do is pick off one person to um, get that rest of them and just get rid of everybody else on Lubu. So if they got someone like an Erica and said, we know Erica has been festering and wants to get out Sydney, all they need to do is say, hey, Erica, come join our six. Now there's seven of us against the existing five and we'll get rid of anyone you want from your tribe. So his logic kind of makes sense, but it's it. I think that their logic was sound. I actually understand why they do it. I hate the idea of throwing a challenge because it's like, you kind of rob someone of their ability to save themselves. I, I just, I don't like that as a viewer. Uh, but I, as a strategy move, I think it makes sense for what Deshaun was trying to do. Right. I'll throw another little scenario. Since we didn't get a summit, uh, we don't get to talk about a logic game. So I'll throw another scenario in the mix. Someone's going home. If they don't lose, someone's going home from green or yellow. And they're going to have to sit out three tribe members in the next challenge. And if they do another reward, that means they're essentially going to have to purposely throw the reward and hope that they pick the right people for the immunity challenge. Because they might pick, they might sit uh, Heather and Erica and um, I don't know, Nasir. And then it turns out that the challenge is like a memory game and they would have been better at that than than Danny or Sydney. So, you know, it's it's a real crapshoot and it's it's tough because you could put yourself in a position where you then lose and maybe you don't want to. Maybe something has gone wrong or maybe Erica mm-hmm. found an idol. So maybe exactly. in this particular situation, it makes sense to think about throwing it. I don't know about actually executing that plan, but Hey, um, you know, it's a, it's a thought and they seem to be, uh, maybe thinking about going through with it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a crapshoot. I, I guess it's almost like a shot in the dark if you want to go there. Oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. Shot in the dark. Forgot about that for a moment anyway. <laughs> so we get to the immunity challenge. Uh, nothing super crazy, you know, pretty classic obstacle course with water involved. And, but I will say, uh, I like that they haven't put a puzzle at the end of every challenge. Sometimes they do a carnival game. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one is, is worse or better, but, uh, and that is going to play a big part in this challenge. Uh, so Here's the big brother element of this episode is the mid-challenge confessional, AJ, which was mm-hmm. a little surprising. Uh, I don't think we've, I don't know if we've ever had this before. I think my favorite part was when Deshaun was like, so in this immunity challenge, we all have to do this thing. Whoever finishes their puzzle first wins. I walk into the ocean. <laughs> and I see... <laughs> Oh gosh! Stuff. Fire, fire the Big Brother editors. Um, also, the the, fir- the first thing I noticed: still no vote for poor Xander. Xander is probably miserable over there. 
Oh, he's yes, had like we, a week where he can just do nothing. We this don't get guy. a goofy uh, phrase sharing in this episode <laughs> because nobody's found, and we get no talk of advantages at all. Xander's pretty uh, pretty missing this episode, which is fine. Mm. He's been pretty present for the last couple, but he doesn't say his phrase, which I think is probably smart to wait for someone mm. else. Because now Brad's gone. He's like, oh, God, now I have to yeah. wait for another person to find it, so... Yeah, no, no goofy phrase. So we get these confessionals and it's, it's between Danny and Deshaun talking about, and it seems like they're trying to throw Deshaun's like, I'm trying to go slow as possible, but I look over and that yellow drive is still taking forever. This seems to happen uh, a lot when challenges are trying to be thrown. Uh, Mm -hmm. A good example is worlds apart. Mike trying to throw the challenge to Kelly and with her head injury, she can't remember the sequence of the item, so he has to feed her the answer. Yeah, um, it doesn't always. And go of too course, well. the the brawn tribe in uh, Takagiyan, Tony's <laughs> like, "We're gonna throw it and get rid of the basketball player." And what's the challenge? Basketball. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it comes down to the wire here, um, and as much as Luvu tries uh, to throw it. AJ Nasir is here. He is here. Nasir he is it. going to beast mode this challenge. What he takes boss. on every aspect he can while Danny and Deshaun are standing there like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially it was, it the, was incredible. The rings. Yeah. I, I will also just say during this challenge, this was the first challenge that I was like on the edge of my seat for this season. I was like, oh my God, are they going to be able to successfully throw this? Like Deshaun saying I was retying the knots. It was, it was all incredible. Uh, there were so many other parts that I liked about this. I loved the Alan Ivan Iverson reference at the end of the episode, at the end of the money. Uh, yeah. When he's going money, he's like, stop trying to be Alan Iverson. Um, Jeff bringing back the Sunday picnic at church line from second chances. <laughs> that was great. That, he, that was a deep cut that, that he, that was a out. deep cut. <laughs> yeah. He, he dug um, deep for that one, but that was a uh, great challenge. And I was happy to, um, I, I was happy to see that Luvu tribe stay safe because I would have hated that. You know, you never know. This could have been Tiffany, not Tiffany Heather's last episode. Um, it would have been a very fitting end for Erica. It might still be the end for Erica if they think about throwing it again as they inch closer to the merge. But this was such a fun challenge. And I think that the commentary actually really helped. This is inner competition or challenge uh, commentary done well. Yeah, I I like it, Um, especially since it fulfilled a specific purpose. It wasn't just someone talking about the general challenges. They can do that afterward. Um, It was... In real time, as we're going through it, and both Danny and Deshaun are, are fairly good confessionalists so far. Um, they can definitely tell a story. And mm-hmm. you have the, the shot of Deshaun retying the knots and him saying it. Uh, just great. You know, you might not have noticed it. Like, sure, they could flash to it, but like actually having the commentary on top, I think brought like another, an added element to it, which I really liked. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, they are unsuccessful. And Deshaun says he laments like, hey, we won, but felt like we lost because we were trying to lose. Ah, and Ua, mm-hmm. uh, through the machinations of JT uh, Money, uh, cannot come up with uh, a win and are headed to Tribal once again. Yeah, and I also just want to take this moment to publicly give Nasir his flowers because I was watching a few of the videos of Nasir um, preseason or some interviews. Uh, maybe it was with Mike and, and Rob, but he was saying, I'm just going to be a beast. and I'm going to win all these challenges. And I was like, okay, yeah, Nasir, that's how you're going to, you're going to be the challenge beast this year. Sure. And he showed up and he did awesome. And I, I mean, if this guy makes the merge, keep an eye out for him on individual immunities, honestly. Yeah. He definitely has some skills that maybe you wouldn't know from looking at him at first glance, which I think is really exciting. It reminds me a little bit of Ty when the first day, and the beauty, the beauty tribe, it's all these, like these three very attractive women and uh, beast mode cowboy. And then Nick, who's a male model. And then just this little gardener guy uh, who, you know, talks way too fast. And suddenly he's up a tree and suddenly he's finding an idol in a tree with the little poke stick thing gimmick that they did that season. So uh, almost out of the woodwork, suddenly Nasir is, Nasir is here. He's ready. He's ready mm-hmm. to play. And uh, I'm here for it. It was a great episode for him. 
Yeah, no, I, I loved it. And that's something just in general. I think that this episode had an opportunity for nearly everyone, particularly those who have not gotten their moment to have a confessional, to have a, a shining moment. Like, I don't think Nasir got a confessional tonight, but people walked away from this episode a lot more positively feeling about Nasir than they did in previous episodes, um, even though he didn't have a confessional. So I was I was just very impressed by how they managed to get all of the characters to have, I mean, say for maybe Xander and, and, and Chantel, but everyone aside from them, we already got enough of them that everyone got their moment tonight and uh yeah just another reason to love this episode yes much more evenly edited i believe it's only tiffany uh xander and nasir who did not get confessionals everybody else mm-hmm. did the whole luvu tribe did which i thought was fantastic because we hadn't had very much from them so uh yeah overall it was great uh but we still got tribal council to go so let's let's see what's going on uh over at ua um so that the first conversation we have after the break is uh, between Jeannie and JD, and she's saying, hey, man, listen, I'm using this thing. I'm going to play this shot in the dark. I'm going to take my whatever percent chance that Jeff was so impressed by, and I'm going to put it in the thing, and uh, hopefully I'm safe because, you know, at this point, I know I'm on the bottom. Why not? And this seems like the situation that shot in the dark is meant for, AJ. Right, exactly. And I I honestly coming back into this episode, I thought Shan was going to be in trouble because Shan got called out at the very beginning during that, that issue with Jeannie post-tribal and she, JD kind of outed Shan as being everyone's number one. And, and Shan talking about how like Brad was never with you. She, he was with me. He was my number one. I thought that that was a setup for everyone realizing Shan was the mastermind and taking a shot at her. Um, But no, very quickly, my, my, my fears were put to rest because it did seem very clear once they got there, it was going to be JD or Jeannie. And I also thought we were going to see shot in the dark tonight. I was looking forward to it. Like finally we're going to see this thing. Yes, I was, I hope personally that it stays buried and that we never see it personally, because then it would have been a failed uh, advantage or twist. Like, some in the past that people didn't like yeah. and then they didn't in get the played graveyard with medallion of power and all this unfortunately the idol nullifier does not fall in that camp because it's two oh. for two and both were why well the first one was great but the second one uh kind of deflated the tires on that season but but we don't yep. talk about that anyway um so it's once again at ua it seems to be uh, about a trust decision and shannon ricard clearly in power um, and once again, they're debating JD or this person that we're not directly working with in this case, Jeannie. So I, at this point, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm very nervous for Jeannie. I don't want her to go home. JD at this point, I've gotten plenty of JD. I, I don't see him going to the end. And I'm like, listen, like Shannon Ricard, please just do this for me. Just vote out JD. Just based on that first conversation, I was like, oh no. But then Something interesting happens. Uh, I got a little deja vu because suddenly Shan is asking JD for his extra vote again, AJ. What did you make of that? So there's been a lot of comparisons with uh, Lucina and Sierra Don Thomas. I was getting, if I may draw another Big Brother comparison, particularly in the way that Shan was doing her pitch, I was getting a lot of Vanessa Russo vibes of being overly emotional. It's like, I'm so concerned. I'm so confused. The, the only way that I can trust you because I'm so I'm so stressed. I'm so worried is if you give me your extra vote and I can vote you up. And I mean, if if she's a Vanessa Russo player, then we're definitely in the long haul for, for a Shan run in, in this game. But that's where my mind went. I'm assuming you, you wanted to talk about the Sierra Don Thomas thing. I, I appreciate the Sierra Don Thomas comparison a lot more to than the uh, Eric Reichenbach and James Clement comparisons which i think make absolutely no sense the situations are so different and jd should not be compared that doesn't make any sense uh in in my opinion but i thought it was very sketchy or as uh d-red would put sus um that shan asked him for it again and said it was a sign of trust because he already did that so Mm -hmm. if i'm jd 20 years of wisdom i'm thinking but i did that 
shouldn't she already trust me? Maybe this time it's not about trust and it's actually about that number of votes that she doesn't want to worry about. If I'm JD, that's my thought. And I'm thinking, listen, mm-hmm. like, of course I'm going to bring it to tribal. I'm not going to, or even be, maybe even make a big show out of burying it and being like, hey, listen, like, I'm going to go hide this in the jungle. Uh, I'm going to bury it. I'm not bringing it, but I, I'm not giving it to you again because I already did that. And if it's a reciprocal trust, because I understand there's a little bit of a power difference because Shan is way closer to Ricard than JD is. So she has more voting power. And then, but he still brings it. Uh, that's what I would have liked to see him do. I would have liked him to see he, him make a big show of I'm leaving it here. I'm not bringing it to tribal, but he actually does. I question that move by Shan, but JD went for it, uh, which I thought was a big, big mistake. Yeah, and I, not at all to pour salt on the wound here, but I think this just kind of goes to show what kind of a player JD is. Um, I, I actually had very high hopes for JD. If it, Going back to my draft, I think he was like my third or fourth pick. Um, I didn't get a chance to pick him because he went early because other people on my draft list felt the same way about him and, and tried to take him. But he is he, he did kind of come and want to play a straightforward and, and not a very deceitful game. And I think that that made him... Um, susceptible to deceitful moves. And this was just a prime example of that. And he seems like a great guy, but it just, this is just evident that he is not necessarily the best person who could play this game. And I mean that with all, all the kindness and respect in my heart for going out there and doing it. Cause I, I probably couldn't do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as a character, he's charismatic. He was entertaining. I right. Like I said, he's a big threat. People are going to want to take him out. Uh, but a, a big strategic blunder here that I think may have cost him the game. And when we get to tribal, I have kind of like a caveat scenario that might be, but I, it, it's important. The details from tribal. So, uh, but unfortunately, AJ, we get the humming back. The evil humming has returned to our screens. <laughs> and I could not be uh, more upset. I'd rather have a half hour of pure advantages. Than, no, I'm just kidding. Um, than the pure humming. But yeah, it's uh, it's a little much. Uh, I feel like this might be like her series arc. So I'm nervous that they're going to keep bringing it back. But I I, I like the song. I do. I, I mean, I think the fact that they're not overplaying it is good. Like, I, I like the fact that they're only really queuing in on it when they need to. So, I mean, if, they, if every episode, let's just say that she's the winner of the season and every time before she goes to council, we get the humming. I'm like, okay, yeah, she hums. We get it. But <laughs> so far, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's also a little catchy. And I like how they have the survivor music in the background of her humming as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good uh, I'm, I, I thought it was a good foreshadow. I mean, it was pretty evident when she was taking that vote and then doing the hum. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe it's not Genie, uh, just mm-hmm. based on the way that kind of foreshadowed tribal. Um, and that turned out to be what they were doing with it, what they were doing with that edit. So um, spoiler alert, uh, JD ends up going home at tribal uh, after mm-hmm. that blunder and then the evil humming. Uh, so we get to tribal uh, and it's, pretty classic Uwa stuff. Genie being upset about the last vote and Ricard, uh, who didn't really talk too much in the episode until tribal. Uh, yeah. He says, oh, but you wrote my name down and JD's like, Oh, and you wrote my name down. And Genie's like, well, what, what was I supposed to do? I was on the bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I want, uh, like I said earlier, going in, I was still expecting Genie to be the one to go home. Cause I'm thinking about the episode where Voce went home. I'm still sad about that, but I, they like threw in Tiffany at the end and Evie was like, maybe I'll get rid of Tiffany because she's not reliable. And I was like, oh, this is the classic. Well, I never thought about this person and it's not going to work out and they're going to go with the same plan. I thought they were doing the same thing at first, but then as the conversation started happening, I realized where it was going and I was like, yeah, JD's, JD's going tonight. And I was right. But I went in wrong. Right. Uh, and and while we're on the subject, I owe the Yasa tribe a big apology because I compared them to some of the worst tribes in history, uh, in particular the Luzon tribe from Kagayan. Uh, and it turns out Ua is actually the train wreck tribe. Uh, they they came out of nowhere, AJ. I don't know what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. I, I mean, well, the thing is, obviously, if they lose next week, it's RIP Genie. 
but we will unless they're shot in the dark works but i don't know we'll we'll see what happens there yeah definitely um and so kind of the last bit before we vote you know they talk about how they're a family again uh even though brad's gone and he was the one doing it before i guess he rubbed off on them uh but jd gives this big soaring like coach on exile can uh speech about how he loves this game and he it's very jd um mm-hmm. and definitely like a little poetic a little bit tragic uh mix it together and you've got a great tribal council where unfortunately jd is going to be the fifth person voted out of this game aj how do you feel about it how do i feel about it so the the moment that i think made me feel kind of sad about it but also the moment that made me realize that he was the one going home was when jeff was asking him what's what's going to happen uh like talk about your your list on your wish list on survivor or something like that and jd's like my list is still so long there's still so much that i really want to do and the fact that, I mean, th- this is the first person who's been voted out of the game who was born after the show started. And so for him, I just like, he does not know a world without the show. And he's been literally waiting his entire life to do this. So as a character and as a person, I do feel, I feel for him. I know he wanted to come out here and I we want to play a better game and, and play a different game than he ended up playing. Um, but as, as a survivor player, Again, with all due respect, he's not up there with his heroes. And I, I don't mean to say that disrespectfully, but that's the reason why he was voted out tonight. He, he lacked the, the perspective. And this is something that he called out in Tribal Council too. He was very meta in the sense that they're talking about uh, how Tribal is being perceived when it's being watched by people like you and I. And he said, this is, it's so different. We know so much more but we also don't know everything that you know watching at home. He's like, I know that you know how it's going to go tonight, but we don't know how it's going to go tonight. And you're telling me do this or do that or change this and talk to this person, but we don't have that perspective. Um, He also references Malcolm again there. Yeah, uh, JD's definitely broken the fourth wall several times this season, talking about people online, about finding advantages. Uh, How about that wink, Cam? I think we should all come in here and do what we say what we are going to do. Wink. <laughs> it's worse than stick to the plan. I say stick to the plan. <laughs> <laughs> A classic. <laughs> so JD's going to go here. Um, but uh, another thing that, that he does that's interesting is it, it almost feels like the show is going out of their way in the edit to involve the fans, not just in like trivial ways, like game within the game or like Jeff talking at you kind of between in the commercial break, but like, it's almost like welcoming you to like be a part of it. And like, to think about how your viewing experience actually affects the people when they get out there who have also viewed the show and like the conversations that we're having around the show and how it works. And JD was really a big proponent of that so it almost felt like winners at war was it was really a love letter to fans it was thank you for supporting us we know you wanted this we made it happen for you and it was an absolute blast the boot order was you know i would say disappointing but like there were so many high caliber players it's really hard to you know obviously some of the the most exciting players went out early but like we still got an absolutely fantastic season it was all winners and Mm -hmm. now it feels like they're taking the next step they're saying, hey, like we gave you what you wanted. Now, like we want you to be a part of, of us. Um, I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but like that's just kind of the general, I guess, vibe that I'm getting from this season. Yeah, I mean, that's also just very Jeff. Um, every single tribal, except maybe Brad I th- and maybe Abraham, but every person, I guess 60% of the people, they, they, they've been very human and they've really tried to be like, these are people. We under- Sarah got the first flashback to her life of the season with her 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 grandmother i believe who passed away um we got a lot about voce and his family sorry that had that had passed away and then we got a lot tonight about jd just like literally wanting to do this every waking moment and so i just think that also through those moments we're, we're getting a lot of these we, we want to go back to the characters angle from the earlier seasons which when there wasn't so much talk about advantages and everything was very effective tonight. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, it's it has to be difficult to balance that in 43 minutes. And this episode is mm. a shining example of how they can't because they didn't talk about advantages. There was not a single use of the word idle. Uh, Jeannie talked about shot in the dark for maybe 25 seconds, but it it's clear that like this is some great survivor, but they can't have it with the 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 advantages that they also want to have in the same episode. It's, it's impossible. They can't fit mm -hmm. it all in and still, so they kind of picked and chose based on, it's almost like they're editing for the episode instead of editing for the whole season, which is, mm -hmm. you know, fans of edgic and people who like to uh, kind of figure out how the season's going to go based on the edit of the first couple episodes it, it might throw a wrench in that because it really feels like they're trying to tell an individual story with each episode this year. And last episode, it was very advantage heavy, but that was a big major part of the episode. And this one, they, they weren't. So they had more time for human moments. Yeah. For that. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you. And I think something and just, just in general, if I could just take a big step back is Jeff was also promising, like this season is going to be tough. They're going to be suffering. And just like the monsters out to get you. There's been no mention of that. What's I think there was one situation where they got the fish and um, Yasa is yellow. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yasa's. And they were saying, man, it's really tough out here because we don't have rice this season. That was like the first time it had been mentioned. Yeah. And someone said this episode that, this is the hardest survival season of Survivor ever. Now, I don't know about that. Uh, Australian Outback would like a word. But uh, yeah, this uh, th they definitely had hyped that up in the pregame media. Uh, I'm thinking maybe there's a medevac coming or something uh, to tie into that because there really hasn't been anything. So are they going to like shock us with it? Is someone going to run out of food, like to the point where they physically like need to give up other things just to get food? Like, are we going to have like a bartering situation? There's got to be something because they wouldn't have put so much pregame press into it. Maybe, but, but just based on how sprightly they all are right now, I just don't see that happening. Everybody just seems very, no one seems exhausted. I mean, maybe Heather a little bit. It's only day but, nine. Yeah, I guess that's Still true. early. Um, but before we finish up on, on tribal here, I do want to say uh, JD also was channeling Malcolm when he got voted out, he like put his hand on his mouth and dragged it down over his mouth. And that yeah. was very Malcolm getting voted up in game changers. All that was missing was oh I'm going to vomit. Uh, and we also got some Kylan foreshadowing for anyone who's been watching big brother. And this, I think this is my last big brother reference of the night, but when, <laughs> Kylan, and this is huge spoilers for Big Brother, but uh, when when Kylan got voted out by Big D in the final four this year, he's looking around like any uh, any particular reason, any any, and, and then that's exactly yes. what JD said. He's like any that. any particular reason, and then they just said we love you, JD, and he's like, guess not. <laughs> Actually, this was filmed first, so JD did it. First. I know. Sorry, Kylan. Uh, you know, it, it it was JD's show. JD's line. <laughs> yeah. I just think the worst part about it was when JD brought in Jeannie's nephew. That was just way too out of line. <laughs> just, just out of line for Survivor. All right. So if you'll indulge me, I have one more almost scenario. So it's a little bit of a stretch, but JD has a conversation with Jeannie and she says, hey, I'm going to play my shot in dark. So the total number of votes now becomes three, but JD has an extra vote. Could he have convinced Jeannie to not vote? Is there, is there a way that he could have almost tricked her into not voting, even though she was safe. I don't know how clued in she was with Shannon Ricard, or if she was just voting JD no matter what. Could he have done that, used his vote? Because I don't think that Ricard or Shan is going to draw rocks for the other person. It, it like, And actually, they can't because, oh, wait, no, Jeannie would go home. So what you're describing is, is if JD voted twice for Ricard yes. or um, Shan, okay. then yeah. Shan and Ricard would have voted collectively for probably JD. Right. And then it would, be two it would have two been a tie. Revote. Well, JD wouldn't be able to vote and Jeannie wouldn't be able to vote. So neither of basically it would have come down to one vote because JD would be ineligible to vote because he received tie votes. Jeannie lost her vote with shot in the dark. And then if JD put two votes on somebody, that person would be un unable to vote. So let's just say he votes for Shan. Then Ricard is the only vote and he votes oh. for whoever he wants. 
See, that's where extra votes kind of throw a wrench because then JD goes home, even though he was essentially the one that it should have been a tie just because, oh, unless he gets, does he get one of the two votes? Like, how does that work? Or does your extra vote only work out once? The extra, well, I mean, the extra vote would have worked twice probably, but the situation is it's him voting twice. If he receives votes, he is ineligible to vote. Right. So that's a tricky kind of rule thing. Um, And obviously we didn't see it play out, so we may never know. But I'm curious Mm -hmm. if, because what if you saved your extra vote and used it on a revote in like a different tie scenario? Like, could you use it? Like, how would that work? You know what I mean? I don't think so. In the survivor rule book, does it does it fit? Yeah, we're we're yet to see how like a steal a vote or an extra vote or anything would work in a situation where there's a revote or there's a tie vote or, or anything like that. Um, it would be interesting to find that out one day. I just hope it never comes at the expense of someone like Sari, but it, well, it could the, be the interesting extra advantage never, to get in. It never works, AJ. Everyone who's ever you have played one an extra vote, an extra vote. How was my um, Dan? Was my Dan? Was my Dan good? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeff, this reminds me of a time with me and my friends in Maine when we were delivering mail. <laughs> He's, he I understand. I'm an, I'm an adopted child. It's okay. I get it. I understand. <laughs> Rodney Rodney does it better than I do. Uh, I can't, can't really do it. Yeah, the extra votes don't really work. Uh, whoever plays it seems to be going home anyway, and the extra vote doesn't make the difference. So uh, hopefully one day we'll see it actually do something. Uh, but. Uh, Time will tell, right? I mean, it. think of it this way. We, we almost had that situation. So go with me on this Winners at War parallel. Because in Winners at War, if you'll recall, the vote was, it was the, it was nine people. And I believe it ended up being two votes for Denise, two votes for Sophie. And then it had to have been five votes for Tyson. Um, because it was Kim... Denise and Tyson, Michelle went over to the other five. So in that situation, if Kim had played her idol successfully on Tyson, then it would have been a split between Denise and Sophie. We then would have been able to see, does Sarah get to revote using Denise's vote again? Or now that I think of it, it wouldn't have happened because Denise would have been ineligible to vote. Therefore, Sarah would have been ineligible to steal Denise's vote. We're going down a huge rabbit hole right here, but right. that's another and, and again, situation. It's, it's it's tricky because they never want to, uh, I mean, it's not like certain, I guess, sorry, Big Brother again, where they really spell <laughs> out how things work and they have to, like using voiceover mm-hmm. for the show, because otherwise the fans are like, wait, when can they use this halting hex and how many people mm-hmm. does it freeze and what what is the vote total and what happens in a tie and what if the veto gets played on this person at the same time as this person while the America's favorite picks the third not Like, there's too much stuff, so they have to actually explain it. Survivors never had to do that. So, like, it's getting right. to the point where they almost do. I think the last episode, someone gave a confessional that kind of, expl- I think it was Brad kind of explained. Yeah, Brad basically said, I have, this is, this I also call BS on. I think Brad should have been allowed to vote. But the logic that Brad was presented with, or the rules, I should say, is I have an extra vote, but I cannot vote. Therefore, I cannot vote. Right. Yeah, a little little strange there. Don't not really sure how that I guess like, again, it's a it's a vote multiplier, uh, not an extra vote. So uh, what are you going to do? All right. So before we wrap up here, got a couple segments I like to do towards the end. Uh, So first. Let's do uh, swap speculation for the week. So we are down to 13 members of this season, AJ. So what do you see? What what scenarios do you think could possibly come up for a swap? So I think if we do not get a swap next week, we are not getting a swap. I think we are going directly from original tribes to merge or potentially an absorption a la um, Philippines. I think that that's possible. So if there's not some sort of shuffle next episode, I just don't think there will be one because they might merge at 11 or 10. So that's my guess. Um, who knows though? I The season is all new. They might merge at six. We, I mean, we started at six, we might end at six. They might merge when one tribe gets down to one, similar to Stephanie. We, we just don't know it's a different season, but if I had to guess, my official stance will be, if we do not merge next week, or sorry, if we do not swap next week, there will be no reshuffling until a merge. That's my guess. Yeah, 
I, I'd love a late merch. I'd love like a seven member jury or like even nine would be fine after the giant juries we've had lately. Um, so yeah, I mean, next week, the only real possibility is a six, six with one person going to the summit Island by themselves or something. Um, and then rejoining one of the other tribes, maybe they do like a double tribal, I'm not sure. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. really the only scenario scenario for next week. And then maybe at final 12, they do two tribes of six and then merge at 11 and only have like the one tribal, uh, which is something they've kind of done before, but that's usually in a two swap season. Um, so yeah, yeah it'll be they did that with, uh, I believe, Cook, right? Cook Islands. Uh, well, they had the jury started when they were not merged yet. Right. They did that kind of in those middle seasons. Well, they had the mutiny. So that was kind of like a reshuffling. Um, yeah. So, but then that there was the I24, you know, that was a very strange season tribally with the way they swapped it up because they started in those. Mutineers you know, are the first people to die, tribes. man. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So I think it's. It's possible we don't get a swap, which would be the first time in a really long time. Um, and after the last couple seasons doing like multiple swaps and you don't really know who the people are, I really like that they're sticking with their original tribe so you can kind of see who's working with who. And mm-hmm. hopefully some of those storylines do carry into the merge because the at least, well, maybe not Winners at War because they have pre-existing conditions, but like the late 30s. Pre-existing um, conditions. <laughs> relationships. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not in the insurance business. It was just a Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> so the late thirties had a lot of, uh, at the merge, it was almost like a reset button. Like Dave versus Goliath, they voted out Elizabeth and then it was like an entirely new game and there really wasn't. Hmm. But like they've done that before, like Edge of Extinction had something similar where, yeah, there were people who were aligned, but they really, uh, it, it's all Jeremy Collins' fault. AJ, uh, I love Jeremy, Massachusetts, what, what, but, uh, yeah, he ruined the game with his voting blocks, AJ. Everything's too complicated now. I'm just Justice kidding. Spencer. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, let's also do, uh, you know, we're five, we're four episodes in five boots. Uh, who do you see emerging as potential winners, AJ? What do you think? Who's your winner pick? Who are the other contenders? Uh, what, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think that the winner is going to be Deshaun, Shan, or Evie. After tonight's episode, I I went in to the season thinking it was going to be Deshaun or Sarah. We all know based on that track record how good of a guesser I am. But that's what I think too. So <laughs> yeah, but after this season, or sorry, after last night's episode, we got a very Deshaun heavy edit, and I I think honestly, if that wasn't important to Deshaun's game maybe they, they didn't even need to show that they could have just showed like, Oh, blues catching up. We didn't need all that context of them throwing it. I mean, we got that with Tony in Kagiyan because Tony was an important character and ended up winning for Deshaun. I think potentially one of the reasons we got that is because he's going to be a big player in the season. Um, so I'm going to lean towards Deshaun. Uh, I've had enough concerns brought to me about Ebby that I do still think she'll do well but I could see her shooting herself in the foot, maybe saying a little bit too much. She gave away too much information. I think it's going to be uh, Deshaun or Shan is my guess. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, definitely with you on that. Um, I do think it's entirely possible we have like a secret decoy winner. Um, and people were online, people were talking mm-hmm. about Evie, but like Evie is not, a de- like she's pretty heavily in the spotlight, at least in the first yeah. couple episodes. Uh, Deshaun, I think, took a big step forward. I've been predicting him. Uh, but he was mm-hmm. a little quiet, but we finally got some Luvu content. I think he made some clean moves um, and he's not ta- he's not really being two-sided. So it's not like Erica and Sydney can compare notes because he's very clearly on Sydney's side. And like Erica is on the bottom just based on the dynamics we've seen. Um, so I, I think he's making good moves. Shan, I agree with you. Um, she's getting a great edit. She's clearly in a power position. We'll see what happens if we get a swap or a merge and like how she does, you know, facing off against some other. Uh, I will say the Ua tribe, their game IQ, I would say is lower on average than the other two tribes. So, uh, you know, can she, when she's faced off with a real you know, a real smart, savvy player that is in control of the game and has good social power, how's she going to match up with them? 
and uh, we'll we'll see about that because I can kind of see it's it's entirely possible we get like a Yasa Luvu alliance uh, with the Evie Deshawn connection uh, and the Danny Xander connection. I, I can definitely mm-hmm. see that kind of blossoming uh, and Ua maybe having trouble making headroads there. So it's possible Shan's a victim of that, but I do think uh, you know she has a good chance. And I will say my dark horse is Nasir. I think that. Uh, Nasir's having some good moments. The people he's pitted against are the people who maybe aren't doing so well and maybe aren't getting the best edit in Sydney. Um, And I think that to a lesser extent, Danny, who in my opinion, based on what we've seen, based on their gameplay and the edit, is the uh, lesser player of the Danny-Deshaun duo. I think Danny's doing good, but I think that Deshaun is going to be the one that goes further. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. Nasir could be like a sleeper going to the final three pick. I, I mean, you never know. I I can see it happening. I mean, he might do, he might do well. I, I think I'm still so unsure about him because I think he, he does frustrate some people as we saw last week. Um, so I could see some people kind of banding together and being like, we just can't stand him anymore. So we saw in the first episode, he's got loose lips sink ship camera, ship camera, loose lips sink ships. It's very true. Thank you for those words of wisdom, Boston Rob. Always. Yep. All right. Well, AJ, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you. Do you have anything you'd like to say to the viewers today? The viewers, people are watching us. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Twists and Torches and, and show Cameron some love uh, and, and follow him on Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh, I'm sure you'll mention that too, but just wanted to say it's been fun interacting with uh, Cam this season and, and following along with Twists and Torches. So excited to see where the show goes. I have my own podcast. It's called The Old Kids Movies, and I co host it with my friend Trevor. Uh, basically, what we do is we talk about our favorite 90s and 2000s kids and family movies from our childhood. So these are the movies. Uh, right now, we're talking about some Halloween movies. So we're doing Haunted Mansion, Hocus Pocus, uh, Monster House. Last year, we did things like Double Double Toil and Trouble, Halloween Town, Casper Meets Wendy. Um, so feel free to check that out. Once again, that is The Old Kids Movies. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and would uh, love to have you follow us over there. Are you a millennial? Do you rely on nostalgia to get you through uh, the high rent prices and unaffordable housing? Well, we've got the podcast for you. It's the old kids movies. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet Very the other good. day that said uh, millennials love taking a movie that came out from their childhood with a 20% score on Rotten Tomatoes and making it their whole personality. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's me. That's me. So true. Max Keeble's big move. I mean, great movie. It's a good great one. Movie. We just we did that on the podcast too. Yes, I did listen to that. It was, uh, it was very entertaining. All right. Well, AJ, thanks so much. Uh, yes, like you mentioned, go ahead and give us a follow on here if you want more content. Uh, we're also on Twitter at twists, the letter N torches. Uh, so give us, uh, give us a follow. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a pleasure. This was a great episode. Glad to recap it. Thanks for listening and uh, see you later.